Welcome to Stuff My Therapist Says, powered by Macon Wellness. I'm your host, Sarah Macon, and I'm glad you've taken the first step to healing and becoming happy again by listening to our podcast. Together with my exceptional Megan Wellness team, as well as other reputable authors, leaders, and mental health professionals, we'll be shedding light on key aspects of mental health and providing actionable tips, strategies, and advice to making healing a reality in your life. With each new breakthrough, we do our part to eradicate the stigmas surrounding mental health, and each episode of this podcast is built to help you overcome the obstacles impacting your life today. Let's begin. Welcome back to Stuff My Therapist Says. I am your host, Sarah Macon, and today we have a very special guest, Mira Vishista. Today, Mira and I are going to be discussing the role of technology in mental health. Mira is such a knowledgeable person, and she has so much information about mental health, and I'm so excited to connect with you. It's going to be a great conversation. Likewise. I feel like it's such a timely time to talk about tech and mental health just with all of like the chat GPT stuff coming out and things yeah. like that. So happy to dive in more. Oh, wonderful. I am too. So how can technology be used to promote mental health? I, I kind of think about it in two ways. I think Macon Wellness is such a great example about how like teletherapy can, one, increase access to mental health, um, can be like a very flexible way to access mental health and get on a call with a provider. And I really think that the pandemic showed us that like teletherapy is here to stay and can be really beneficial. When I think about like emerging technology, I'm really thinking about AI, VR, some of the new like apps that are coming out that that promote that accessibility to mental health care. So for example, I have spoken to tons of folks before who have mentioned that like their meditation app or their app that tracks their mood on a daily basis really helps them to kind of keep that anxiety in check. And I think for folks who either are in therapy or maybe are not in therapy and have that ability to kind of like do that check-in in between sessions. I think that's like a really, really great way to just understand like what your mood is, be able to track it and even be able to maybe like start to understand like triggers. That makes me think a little bit about like wearable technology. So I think that the world is like super into aura rings and like whoop um, watches and stuff that track our physiological health, our heart rate, our heart rate, vari- our heart rate variability and things like that. And I think those factors all contribute to our mental health. So being able to track that on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, again, I think gives us a lot of insight into how our mental health might be performing as well. This is all really good information. So essentially, if you're using the right technology, it can really be helpful. Absolutely. And, and I think with technology, the way I think about it is like reducing the barrier to entry. I think that for a lot of folks who might not feel comfortable yet too, with like trusting another human and like kind of laying it all out on the line, I think um, having that access to tech, whether it's through an app or whether it's even through like talking with chat GPT and messaging it to say, Hey, I'm feeling really anxious. I think that's a really great way to like take that first step. And, and to be able to have that conversation with like in AI, for example, that that is able to kind of like look at a ton of data and provide, I think, a little bit more of like a personalized response 
depending on what you are typing in into the tool. So when you talk about this, the first thing that comes to mind is, so you're talking about ChatGPT and someone putting in essentially some private health information. Where does HIPAA come into place with that? So if you're listening, you're not sure what HIPAA is. HIPAA is essentially a law that mandates healthcare providers and healthcare companies to protect your data in that we can't share your data, we can't share your private health information. So how does that interplay with these emerging technologies? Yeah, I think that you bring up a really good point, Sarah. I think there's a lot of like ethical and social challenges that come with these emerging technologies. I myself am not 100% sure where our data gets stored when we use something like ChatGPT. And I think that that's something that as a society, we definitely have to be mindful of when we are, for example, reaching out to a chat GPT and saying, you know, I'm really struggling with symptoms of depression. Um, does that go to like the makers of chat GPT? Like where does that get stored? Is that information used to, to kind of like aggregate more data so that the, the model continues to learn? I'm not sure, but I think that you bring up a valid concern where I think there's still like a lot of lack of evidence-based research that goes into supporting some of these technologies. From my understanding, whether it's ChatGPT or maybe even like certain apps, I don't think that there's been a lot of rigorous scientific testing that's gone into that like HIPAA portion of it. So I think when we think about tech, it's really important to like have that caveat where it's like, I don't think tech completely just like solves our mental health issues. I think that we should be using tech in conjunction with like teletherapy or in-person therapy, group therapy, and things like that. Yeah. So not using chat GBT as your primary mode of treatment because it technically isn't treatment. And mm -hmm. as of right now, there's no certainty about what happens with the information that you input into it because you never know where it's going to end up is the only thing that concerns me. I don't know if you've read this article or not. But it was, I guess, some employees at Samsung included some very private information about the company, and it was certain code that got leaked, and they have been dealing with that and a couple of other things as a result of their employees accidentally using ChatGBT in a way where information got out and they didn't think it was going to. At Macon Wellness, our priority is helping you heal and become happy again. We make it easy for you to connect with our exceptional team of therapists right from the comfort and privacy of your device. Not only is this approach more accessible, but it also comes at a much lower cost compared to traditional in-person counseling. We believe no one deserves to suffer in silence and encourage you to work through your challenges so you can live life to the fullest. Call 833-274-HEAL or visit makeandwellness.com to get started with online therapy. So just with certain things, just be mindful of, you know, worst case scenario, if this information gets out, you know, is this going to be very concerning until yeah, there's like better protection out there? So I'm sure they're in the process of making it happen. Honestly, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about informed consent. So I think for, for those who don't know, when we conduct or hold like a session of therapy, typically in our like intake sessions or initially we have to provide our, our clients with what's called informed consent. And I wonder with ChatGPT, if clients, if they're not necessarily giving their informed consent, 
And then when you take it a step further, like that just makes me think a bit about like trust and privacy with this like higher level of access comes, I think, higher level of surveillance. And so it's like, it just goes back to how that data is being used. And I think that that's very on brand with what you were just talking about with this article that you read. And I also wonder, you talk about informed consent, perhaps it's in their terms and conditions section of the website, but how many people are truly going to read that? I mean, I know I'm probably not. (laughs) Like, I don't have time to like, devote six hours to reading these legal terms that I don't really understand. And then I have to call our lawyers to ask what it means. Like, I'm not going to do that. And I'm sure most people wouldn't, you know, either. This is interesting stuff to consider for sure. And informed consent is so important, especially when it comes to your mental health and knowing what you're signing up for. Sometimes people are very concerned or anxious whenever they start therapy or start working on their mental health. Because they're not sure if they say, quote unquote, the wrong thing, if that's going to hospitalize them or if they're going to get 302'd. If they know what informed consent is, that helps to alleviate those concerns. I've had so many clients and most of these clients didn't even have suicidal ideations or anything that would really consider the possibility to be hospitalized. And so once they know what their rights are, that really helps. Yeah. And and I wonder too, it's like when it comes to things like suicidal ideation, and I I haven't tested this out myself and I'm going to do that after this because I'm very curious, but like, how does something like AI respond? I think as clinicians, we are trained to provide that informed consent and are trained to be mandated reporters. So when it comes to not just passive suicidal ideation, but when it comes to um, someone who has that intent, to harm themselves. We are trained to kind of know what the steps are to take to ensure that that person gets the right level of next care. Mm -hmm. How does ChatGPT respond, right? Is it just kind of like, here are some resources? And I I don't know, Sarah, have you maybe like tested some of that out? I haven't. All of my usage of ChatGPT has really been for responding to generic emails and some text messages. Um, (laughs) and just to get some like ideas for certain things, like ideas for videos or like generic kind of general things if I want to get someone else's input, but I haven't used it for really anything clinical. I tested it with creation of therapy notes. It doesn't do an amazing job. It does a decent job, I would say, Mm -hmm. but I haven't tested it like pretending to be a patient or asking it like, what should I do to feel better today or different things like that? I haven't tested it in that way, but I'm very curious to see how it would respond. From from some of like the articles I've read, it, it definitely sounds like from like a resource perspective, if you're someone who, for example, is like, hey, chat GPT, I'm having anxiety. It has the ability within, you know, in real time, within seconds to kind of provide, here are some resources, here's box breathing. And like, that's, how, how can you do that for that in the moment anxiety? But I am so curious, especially given that neither of us have tested it, like from that client perspective, when you are someone who needs that extra level of care, then what? Because I think tech can only go, or resources can only go as far as, as they can, right? And I think, again, that's where that like 
human training of being a mandated reporter, knowing the the services to call um, and kind of like the, the steps to take when it's maybe like a higher stake situation is an important element that I'm hoping is, is here to stay. And getting resources to a higher level of care is not necessarily easy because I do notice a lot of like mental health facilities aren't actively promoting themselves or or their company online just because a lot of them are so booked and so busy that they don't don't really need to. But even if you can get a list of referrals, like most of them are full right now. Mm-hmm. Things are always changing. Hopefully that's not always the case, but most of them are pretty consistently full. So that makes yeah. a challenge. I think exactly what you're saying is what comes to mind for me when we think of like how tech can benefit mental health care, right? A lot of the facilities are full. A lot of practices are kind of like up to the brim. And, and I've spoken to, to um, you know, folks before who have said, I have been trying to find a therapist for months and haven't been able to because of just kind of how busy the system is. And so I think that's kind of where that technology piece comes in. It's not a solve, but it definitely increases that access, the flexibility. And I think there's like those elements of personalization there as well that can can be really beneficial. What other challenges do you potentially see with mental health technology? Uh, I think we we touched upon a little bit of like the ethical and, and social challenges. So kind of just trying to understand like the the privacy piece. I was reading there was some research that showed that like some ethnic minorities and certain age groups are underrepresented in mental health data sets. So oftentimes when technologies are drawing on those data sets, that may exacerbate inequality in the type of mental health care that is being you know accessed via certain tech. And then again, just we touched upon it a little bit, but I think like that lack of evidence-based research when it comes to like emerging tech, it I kind of feel like the mental health industry is often like a little bit further behind everybody else. And so I think like now we are really diving into how we can use tech, not only for, for like clients and consumers, but like on the clinician side. So like, can you use it for treatment plans? Can you use it for therapy notes? But again, because I think oftentimes we're like not necessarily like on the cutting edge, but rather like catching up. I think that that lack of just kind of like evidence-based research is starting and and hopefully will continue to grow as we start to integrate tech with this industry. Yeah, we have a lot of support from the client side and not as much support from the clinician side. And that can be very helpful and actually indirectly supports patients because if we can reduce a burden or make something easier for a clinician, that can really help lot in the chat with chat gpt i haven't tried it for treatment planning yet but now i know what i'm gonna be doing whenever i go home today <laughs> just to see how effective it is if it is effective at all or if it's something that would even like pass the standards that mariah and our clinical team have set what's next for mental health technology mira i really just feel like ai is is here to say, I think that AI is going to revolutionize mental health care, both on the client side, but also on the clinician side. Um, I think AI allows clinicians, for example, to provide more personalized treatment plans to be able to 
create those notes faster. And then I think on the client side, I think AI, because it's in real time, because things like ChatGPT are conversational, I think it is a great way either in between sessions or if you're someone who's like new to the therapy world to have access in real time with resources that might be psychoeducational. There's lots of different apps and technologies that can be supportive in addition to you being in counseling and to take advantage of whatever resources can help you out the most. The last thing I wanted to touch upon, Sarah, is VR. So virtual reality therapy, I think, is a space that is being researched. And I, from my own research and understanding, I believe that VR has been really beneficial for folks who either have anxiety, maybe certain phobias, to be able to have that kind of like exposure therapy in a very controlled environment. Um, So when thinking about what are the, what's like on the cutting edge and what's next for mental health tech, I felt like it was important to bring up VR therapy as well. Yeah, it can be super helpful, especially for people that are not ready to be directly exposed to whatever phobia they have. Absolutely. This has been such a great conversation, Mira. Closing out, do you have any final words of wisdom for our audience? I mean, I think I'd just love to say whether you're accessing therapy in person through teletherapy or just getting started with, you know, your daily app, something like headspace or calm or whatever it might be or if you're someone who's like a a tech nerd and is using chat gpt to kind of like test out a new form of therapy i I just want to say that like whatever your source is seeking that mental health care is the first step and i i just kind of commend folks who go out there and do that hard work to talk to someone um, to focus on their mental health and their physical health and emotional health. I think all of that works together. And so I just, I really recommend folks in whatever way they're doing it. Thanks so much, Mira. Likewise. It's great to chat, Sarah. Thank you so much. Of course. It was wonderful getting to connect with you as always. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Stuff My Therapist Says powered by Macon Wellness. If our conversation brought new insights and perspectives into your life, please do not hesitate to share this episode with one person in your circle who will gain positive energy from it as well. Remember, the stigmas of mental health are a thing of the past. If you're ready to take the next step to heal and become happy again, find us at Make and Wellness on your favorite social media networks or reach out to our highly rated Make and Wellness team by dialing 833-274-HEAL or you can schedule an appointment on our website at makeandwellness.com. Until we meet again, this is Sarah Macon reminding you that healing happens here.